Welcome everybody and good morning. It is Wednesday the 21st of February here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88. Positively different radio right across Australia. You are with Lyle and Christopher here on the Delayed Broadcast. And of course, if you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast and you would like to listen to us live, then you can listen to us live on faithfm.com.au or we're using the TuneIn app if you are mobile in your car or so forth, put it through your car stereo. Faith FM Australia in the TuneIn app is where you need to go. And that way you can participate live, you can call in and so forth with uh, your questions. Or you can still send your questions in even with the delayed broadcast and we can put them in for question of the day. But we love your company and we are glad that you are joining us today. So coming up in today's show, Christopher, what do we have? We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up today. First of all, we're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to look at the news a bit and answer the question about self-defense and looking at some of those ideas, especially in wake of the uh, shooting over in America. Do Christians have the right to take another person's of life ever? Ever. Where does thou shalt not kill apply and where does it not apply? Or is it just always apply? Indeed. But we've also got some more some more positive topics as well. <laughs> it doesn't always have to be quite of course, as we'd intense. Love to, we'd love to know your thoughts on this. Shoot us something true on Facebook or uh, text message or so forth. Exactly. We've also got an amazing guest uh, coming into the studio today. We're going to interview Kojo and he's going to share a little bit about his faith journey and what he's doing at the moment. And I think it's going to be a very interesting interview. Kojo, who is visiting from the United United States and uh, is studying and working here at the moment so that uh, will be a fantastic interview of course we have Neil Thompson uh, with his usual segment we always appreciate what Neil Thompson has to say about relationships and we know that you will all be blessed as we uh, work our way through that one it's nice to have it's nice to have a um, our interview uh, right here in the in the studio I've been missing doing interviews Adele has been doing such a great job yes <laughs> And I'm glad I get to steal one back from her yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I really enjoy doing those. So that's coming up on today's show. Of course, we have a quiz. And if you have an answer for our quiz, what is our quiz question? Let's just have a quick Our quiz, quiz question of the day is quite a difficult one. I don't think I would have gotten it straight away on the first clue, but here it is. It's a who am I? And our first clue of the day is my three eldest sons are Eliab, Abinanab, and Shammah, also known as Shimiyah. So you can let us know the answer to that quiz question on 1-800-324-843 or text it to us on 0491-064-669 and you will get bragging rights for... (laughs) Um, being able to answer the question. Well, that's uh, it for this little section. We're going to be back in a moment with much, much more here on Faith FM. Transforms to a brilliant blue 
clouds roll by as green grass tries to grow closer to you lightly on the patio. Sun beats down and then I know your love's irreplaceable. Was Melissa Otto listening to Patio, and uh, what a yeah, what a very pleasant way to start the day. Yeah, Just a beautiful piece of music right there to get us kicked off. Now we did run through that uh, quiz question rather quickly and. Uh Maybe we could have a repeat of it just in case you missed it. Fair we enough. We don't want you to miss out on getting your Melissa Otto album. That was Melissa Otto. And if you'd like to hear more of her, then uh, call in with the answer to the question. So uh, give us the question there again. Especially since uh, these names are pretty funky. So this mm. is a Who Am I? My three eldest sons are Eliab, Abinanab, and Shama also known as Shamia. So make sure to call us in at 1-800-324-843 or text in your answer at 0491-064-669 and you can win that album. Yes, or even just send us a message on Facebook. I think they're putting that quiz quiz question up on uh, the Facebook page so that you can answer it there as well. And uh, we will have a prize for the very first person to call through. And also, don't forget also, do you know what happened on this day in 1798? 
put that answer through on 1-800-324-843 or text it 0491-064-669 or send it to the Facebook page for bragging rights. (laughs) Okay, so you're listening to the live show today. If you uh, uh, were struggling with your signal or if you are in an area where you don't get the live show, don't forget that you can listen to us online at faithfm.com.au or by using the TuneIn app on your mobile device. And looking for Faith FM Australia. That way you can listen to it in your car, run it through your car stereo, whatever. Okay, so we love to have your company here on the morning. And we have some serious things to talk about uh, this morning. I want to look this t- today at this subject of... Uh, self-defense and combatancy. So we have this we have this phenomena in the United States where, you know, there's this whole gun culture. We talk about the American gun culture, and uh, um, and, and the American gun culture, of course, is built around the premise of self-defense. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, if somebody invades your home, you have the right to shoot them, uh, which is then built around the premise of well. You know, if the government has the right to defend itself, then shouldn't an individual have that you know same freedom and right as well? Isn't this a mm. isn't this a, a, a natural right that every human being has? And uh, supported by many people of faith, in fact, we find that it is more highly supported amongst Christians in the United States than non Christians in the United States. There are some things that concern me about this, but why would people take this particular view? Well, it seems as though if you really want to go looking for it, you could come up with some perhaps biblically justifiable reasons to sure. defend I mean, such a position. I have this. I have this picture in my mind of you know of a, 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 an American evangelical fundamentalist, and it's the picture that we're often given by the media. You've got your American fundamentalist evangelical, and he's got a Bible in one hand and a gun in the <laughs> yeah. other. You know, it's like this is this is Americanism, and this is what he's, we're going he's to He's got his two weapons, one in hand, and of course you go to the middle. <laughs> East and you've got a bunch of guys and they've got a Quran in one hand and, a, and an AK-47 in the other, you know, and uh, um, and that's and, and, and I think of people of who are not people of faith mm-hmm. look at that and go, this is just ridiculous, this is just insanity, this is just using religion as a pretext for violence. Yeah, well, can't be a good thing, right? No, I, I can't think of it being so. But if you were to look at the idea, I. Would you say that it is justifiable for people to want to have this desire to, you know, protect themselves or protect their family? Like, surely that is a morally righteous thing to want to do. Yes. Uh, the, the question that I've got, though, is where the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Uh-huh. That is a good point. So on my good point, what are you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So uh, as far as the thou shalt not kill, what yeah, I how, it, how do Christians go about justifying that position? I don't know if you can justify that position so much, but what you can see recorded throughout the Bible is quite a few uh, times that rule is broken. Uh, you see the Israelites go into militant war uh, campaigns a lot of the time, going against enemy nations. So you find people executed for various crimes. Yes, so there seems to be a lot of killing going on anyway in the Bible, and yet we have this rule that says, "Thou shalt not kill." So this is a this creates many people would say, particularly people who are not people of faith would say, well, you know, the Bible contradicts itself because you know it says on one hand, "Thou shalt not kill," on other places it says, "You should turn the other cheek," and all these kinds of passages, and yet the Bible is full of killing, and in <laughs> fact, history is full of killing. Oh yeah, yeah. So Christianity is one of the most violent religions that has ever existed. Let's let's um, face reality here and and as Christians let's all hang our heads in shame for a little while while we consider our history. Mm-hmm. Um, during the dark ages, um, historians estimate that Christianity killed 
approximately 150 million people because of their faith. It's crazy. Um, that was primarily by, of course, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, but when the Protestant Reformation came along in the 16th century, they weren't immune from it. In fact, the United States was sound, founded as a nation of freedom by people fleeing from Protestant persecution in Europe. Mm. And then, of course, you've got the the, you know, the Byzantine church and so forth, and they weren't entirely immune either. And it seems that everybody had their, their role to play in religiously fueled violence. Yes. And now, when I think of the, um, the idea of, you mentioned it before, this, this uh, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth mentality, but then, oh, also turn the other cheek. Like, what's going on? Is there a contradiction here? Uh, I've always thought that when Jesus refers to, he says, you know, turn the other cheek, he's speaking within interpersonal relationships within people, as in no judicial law has ever been broken. Mm-hmm. And yet when we go to the Old Testament and the I fry tooth for tooth uh, mentality is given, this is referring to within the judicial system, like if somebody breaks an inherent law. So then would you say that the idea of combatants and self-defense begins to fit into the judicial side of things? Well, I think this is important. Uh, it's important to note that God does not change. Yes. And if God says in, uh, you know, so for instance, Matthew 5, if someone hits you on the right cheek, turn to you, turn him your left, then that's going to apply equally in the Old Testament and the New. That has to apply equally in both. It does, yes. Um, and so then we look at the Old Testament model and we have to ask ourselves the question, why did they have eye for eye, tooth for tooth there? And how do we justify that by saying that God does not change? Mm. There is not a difference in God between the Old Testament and the New. There is a change in circumstances, and this is what I see. There is a change in circumstances and there is a change in government. And so in the Old Testament, beginning in the time of Moses and ending with the Babylonian invasion, you had a form of government that was called a theocracy. This was government by God. Of course, in the time of Jesus, they weren't living under a theocracy. They were living under imperial Rome. We do not live under a theocracy. We live under a democracy. Um, In the United States, they have a republican form of government and so forth. Now, under a theocracy, God is the only one the only one who has the right to choose to end somebody's opportunity for salvation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's the, only one, he's the only one who has the right to either take somebody's life or to command their life to be taken. And that's why we find in the Old Testament there are opportunities where people, you know, circumstances where people are killed both in war and out of it. But once we move from there, away from the theocracy, then that time is finished. We're going to listen to Carly Fletcher, the captain at this time. Going my 
to Carly Fletcher, the captain here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88 right across Australia. And we have been talking about this concept of, uh, I sort of felt like I didn't really get to finish <laughs> fleshing out what I was, the, the point that I was really making before. Okay, so here's, here's, here's my point. Uh, let me ask you this question. Can you read another person's mind? Can you, Christopher, read another person's mind? <sighs> Not that I know of. <laughs> no, you can't. And so then can you know whether a person still has the possibility of salvation or not? Oh, I've got no clue. Not, not at all. No clue whatsoever at all. And so then if you take somebody's life, if you make that decision, you've taken that into your hands, then haven't you taken something that is a prerogative of God alone? Isn't God the only one who has the right to choose when a person's probation, their opportunity for salvation is closed, it's finished, it's over? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so let me give you a scenario. Let's say that we've got a, uh, a particular individual who comes from a very troubled background, has been uh, beaten up by his... His uh, father has been raped as a child. He's uh, um, then grown up in a single person, you know, tossed around f- through some foster homes that have treated him badly. He has chosen to self-medicate the pain of his childhood away um, with drugs and he breaks into your house. Uh, does that then mean that you have the right to just kill him? Of course not. Okay, so... Um, and, and, and let's say that uh, in that same scenario, then there's every possibility that if he hadn't broken into your house, um, that you could be knocking on his door tomorrow and sharing Jesus with him. Yeah. And he may have given his life to Jesus and turned his life around and become a great evangelist, but you've just brought that to an end. You don't know this. When you take a person's life, you don't know what their possible future is. This is my point. Mm. And so God does not give us that opportunity. Now, God can make that decision and God can say, yes, this person or these people or this nation, their probation is finished, it's over, it's ended, and you can, you know, you need to go to war with them or whatever it might be. But God does not give that to us. This is, a, this is an attribute of divinity. And this is why warfare and capital punishment can only exist from a biblical perspective under a theocracy 
which is government by God. Now, I understand that the theocracy was far from perfect because um, the Israelites and the Jews did not always obey what God said. Yeah. They were habitually disobeying what God yes. said. But that aside, that aside, that's not, that's not the issue at stake here. The issue at stake is that this was a theocracy. Yes. Now, the problem is, of course, then that um, coming down to today, um, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about, uh, you know, this whole issue of 1798. This day in 1798, yes. when did get to that? Well, what was that all about? Well, as far as I heard, that was when a French general named Berthier came into France. Mm, no. Ah, where was it? Italy. Italy, Italy of Italy. course. Oh, my goodness. He came into Italy and he... he... came from France to Italy because he was French. That's right. He came from France to Italy and he kidnapped the Pope. Yes, indeed. And the Bible actually speaks about uh, this event. And you might be interested to note in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25, the Bible says that he shall speak great words against the Most High and persecute the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand for a time times dividing of time, which simply means 1,260 days, which in Bible prophecy means 1,260 years. The Bible gives us this prophecy in seven different places just to remind us of what is taking place. Now, of course, this was a time period of persecution. It's really what we're talking about this morning because uh, the Catholic Church, you know, looked at it at, uh, at that time, saw it as their moral obligation to convert the world through <laughs> yeah. at the point of the sword, so to speak. And uh, there was 1,260 years of persecution. And it was the, uh, the, the French Revolution that outlawed God um, and and instituted atheism that said, well, we need to bring this to an end. And so, in 1796, they uh, they they sent um, Napoleon down into Italy um, to conquer the Papal States and to bring an end to the um, to the whole uh, um, Roman Catholic system that was yeah. down there. Uh, the interesting thing was that this was nearly 1,260 years since political power had first been given to the papacy um, when the decree of Justinian came into effect way back in 538. If Napoleon had obeyed what the French government told him to do, of course the prophecy would have fallen one year short. <laughs> he would have, if wow. he'd have been obedient, then he would have uh, ended the uh, papal government, not the papacy, but the papal government mm-hmm. in 1797. But Napoleon always did his own thing. So he's camped in northern Italy. He's not doing uh, what he's supposed to be doing up there. And uh, people looking... On might have said, "Well, the prophecy might fail here. It might not fail. We don't know what's going on. This is, you know." And and then and then Napoleon makes peace with the Pope. Napoleon always had his own <laughs> political agenda. So then he of makes course. peace with the Pope, and so the Pope still has his political power. So this is this is a prophecy about when the papacy receives political power to when it loses political power. Yep. Maybe you'd like to um, talk to us about it. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Give us a call. Um, but um, what happens is that the French, uh, then you know, Napoleon sets up an embassy there in Rome, and he sends his older brother down there. Oh, Joseph yeah. Joseph Bonaparte goes down there, and is heading up the embassy in uh, in Rome. And one of the other generals was a fellow by the name of Leonard Dupont or Dufont. I can't. Speak French. <laughs> Neither uh, can I. All, 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 my French, all my French speakers are going to, all our French listeners are going to give me a hard time. I'm only good with Hebrew names. Um, who was, okay, so he is engaged to Joseph's sister. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so these two guys go down there. They set up the embassy in, uh, in, in Rome and uh, all is fine. 
1797 passes, 1798 begins, and early in 1798, there is a riot that breaks out in Rome near the French embassy. And Joseph and this uh, Leonard Dufont default person, uh, they head out to quell the riot and one of the Italians shoots and kills Leonard Dufault, oh. the future um, brother-in-law of Napoleon's brother. Oh my goodness. Okay, so then, of oh. course, Napoleon, <laughs> being the fiery kind of character that he was, gets very upset and marches into Rome. And so on this day... After a standoff for a number of days in which he told the Pope to uh, voluntarily step down as head of state. Not head of the church, head of state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so political power. It's political power coming to an end at this particular time. And uh, tells him to step down. And he doesn't step down, so he takes him captive on this day in 1798. And thus the prophecy is exactly fulfilled. We have a God who, when he gives a prophecy, is not out by a year or two. <laughs> is exact. It is exactly fulfilled. Even even if this had happened just a few days earlier, it would have landed in 1797 and the prophecy would have failed. But the prophecy did not fail. Fulfilled exactly. So we've got some exciting things happening. We do. Um, that relate to each other. How, and, how uh, maybe you've managed? got an opinion yeah. on this. Maybe you'd like to disagree with me and say, no, we do have uh, the right to take human life on certain occasions. Well, then give us a call. You know our open line number, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. We're going to listen to Audrey Sad. It is well with my souls. Like a Yeah. 
You were listening to Audrey Sad. It is well with my soul here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88. And we have a special guest who has got up early this morning and joined us right here in the studio. Welcome to the studio, Kojo. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Kojo, I'm just, uh, I've ne- we've never met before, but mm-hmm. um, I'm just listening to your accent. You don't come from here, right? No, I do not. Well, I do come from Australia. You don't hear it? I'm no. just joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the United States of America. Okay. So how long have you been in Australia? I've been in here for a glorious one month. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So the, you've had time to get over jet lag. I'm, I was had oh, some yeah. sympathy for you there for a yeah, minute, but no, I don't you anymore. Should, you should still keep the sympathy. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, tell us, Kojo, what are you doing here in Australia? Well, basically, I go to school in the United States called um, Andrews University. Yep. And so part of and my- And what are you studying there? Studying what we call Masters of Divinity. It's a professional mm-hmm. degree for pastors. Uh-huh. And so pretty much part of our program is that we have to do it. Part of our program is that we have to do an internship. Okay. And so for this internship, you could either do it in the States, Canada, or Cuba, but then I got the opportunity to do it in the <laughs> land down under. Why not? And why so not? I said, Absolutely. why not? Let me come down here and run away from the snow and yeah, come to Australia. Yeah, yeah. When, I, when, when I did my study, I, I, I did the opposite. I went to the United States. It's like, this is the thing you do, you know? It's no, like, that was the right place to go, so I don't blame you at all. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the States do you come from? Well, I actually was born in Michigan, but uh-huh. the place that I rep, the place that I claim is a yep. place called New York City because that's okay. where I was raised. And so uh-huh. that's what I can pretty much say. And right now, my family lives in Ohio, though I school in Michigan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Very good. So, Kojo, tell us a little bit about your story, um, where you come from. Did you grow up in a Christian home? That's a great question. Well, yes, I totally did. Mm-hmm. Grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist home, Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father is a pastor as well. Oh, okay. And so you can what about your much, grandfather? My grandfather is also a Seventh-day Adventist, not a pastor. Yep. But the way he acted, you could pretty much call him a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and so pretty this much generational. you can say that I came out you know, saying the name of Jesus from the womb. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. You got it. So, in that, in that, uh, in your experience as a child growing up, um, do you do you feel that uh, you always had a connection with God? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think that I always had a knowledge about God through the Scripture, mm-hmm. um, a more so of a doctrinal knowledge, propositional knowledge, facts about the Bible. Okay. I don't really think that I developed a real relationship with Jesus Christ until I reached about the age 17. And so okay. um, even though I understood the general things about Christianity, I, don't really, I didn't really have a personal, living, vital connection with Jesus until I was about to leave high school and go off into college. Sure. And during those teen years, before you're 17, before you actually really meet Jesus for yourself, mm-hmm. did you you go through that uh, teenage rebellion bit and give your parents a hard time and all that kind of thing. <laughs> you see, I'm not the, th- the hard time kind of guy. Okay. Look at my face, guys. I know the radio can't see my face, but I'm not the hard time kind of guy. You can look at his face on Facebook. They just post up a photo. So uh, you want to see what Kojo looks like? He's, he's, he's right there. Yep, you can see Facebook it right and- there. <clears throat> but yeah, no, I wasn't necessarily rebellious per se. Uh-huh. Um, of course, I did the things where, you know, I wouldn't get in trouble for it. I did the things that would get outward approval. Yep. But then inside of my heart, as Jesus said, you know, I was like a dead tomb. Okay. I was a person who didn't have any type of active living relationship with God. And and so um, by like 17, a, like a, though, whited, totally a whited sepulcher. Is yeah. The, is, it, the word yeah. That, is the word that I seem to remember from the, the old English. Yeah, I'm like, that English is too old. Whited <laughs> 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 A, a tomb that is painted white on the outside and it's just dead on the inside. In, inside. Yeah. That's how exactly so you're, 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 you were clean on the outside. Clean on the outside. I was going to say white on the outside, but if people look at a photo <laughs> on Facebook, they're going to say, no, 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 no. No, that's, not, no, that's not the, the part case. of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Got okay. it. Mm-hmm. So you're clean on the outside, but just sort of dead on the inside. Just really dead on the inside. What changed when you were 17? <sighs> really good uh, question. So I'm going to be very honest. 
what changed was that um, I was in a, you can kind of say a relationship in high school. Okay. Um, and I was so in a relationship. A yeah, pretty much. I had a girlfriend. Another. Yeah. Uh, I had a girlfriend, and um, that relationship didn't work out. And so, as soon mm-hmm. as that relationship didn't work out, I felt a deep sense of loss. I felt an emptiness. I so felt a dumped. vacuum. You get dumb. Uh, don't say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it that way. And so, pretty much, you know, that's what kind of happened. It's all right, Kojo. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> Audience, you can relate to me. It doesn't <laughs> feel good at all. And so, pretty much, yeah, that's what happened. I had that vacuum, and from there, I said I started to fill it in with different things. And so I started to just read more spiritual books. I started to listen to more sermons. I started to get more involved in church activities in a deeper and more profound way. I started to go on mission trips. And then all of those things combined led to me having this experience where I realized that, hey, I'm lost. I don't have a relationship with God. And it made me go on my knees and say, hey, God, I want to start a real relationship with Fantastic. you from now on. Hey, when you started, when you say so you started first uh, reading, when you were reading the, when you first started reading the Bible, whereabouts did you start? Do you, do you remember? I don't really remember where I started reading the Bible, but I can tell you a different book I started reading, okay, right? Yeah, so there was yeah, sure. a book that I found in the house called To Know Him Better. That's oh, all, that's yeah, that's a cool title. Was, yeah, yeah, to yeah. Know yeah. Him Better. Well, that's so I was like, well, it? I want to know God better, so yeah. let me just pick up this book. And so I started reading the book, and I was like, man, this book is amazing. Whoa, this book is fascinating. Wow, this book is absolutely mind-blowing. And then all of a sudden, as I was reading the book, I t- decided to check the front cover of the book. And once I checked the front cover of the book, it said that this is a book adapted from a book called Steps to Christ by a lady oh, called wow. Ellen Taylor. There you go. And cool. I said, oh, yeah. oh my goodness, you know, because that book, Steps to Christ, as some people That's may a classic. Know. It's one of the exactly. greatest classics, exactly. uh, Christian classics of all time. Exactly. You can get it in, uh, uh, when I was a teenager, you could get it in 150 different languages. I don't know how many you can get it in there. It's probably shot up now. It's a, um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a worldwide classic on exactly. basically how to get to know God. That's, exactly. That's a good title for it. Exactly. Steps to Christ. Mm-hmm. What was it called? How to, how to know God how, better. How to know God how better. How to know him better. That's how what it's called. Yeah. And, and, and you can't, uh, yeah, if, if, if you are somebody this morning who is uh, listening and you sort of have that longing in your heart, mm-hmm. I would like to know God better, mm-hmm. then give us a call. I'm mm-hmm. sure we can find a way Definitely. of making sure that you can get a copy of the book, Steps to Christ. Usually you can pick them up for around the uh, $2 mark mm-hmm. because they're just uh, they're so popular and millions mm-hmm. and millions of them in print. Now, here's the, the crazy thing. The crazy thing is that <clears throat> I would have never picked up the book, Steps to Christ, because I looked at the cover and I always felt like it was a boring book. Mm-hmm. And so I'd received so many copies. And so every time I just threw <laughs> those copies to the side. Yeah. And so God knew what he was doing. He had to find a different way to title the book <laughs> to get me into the book yeah. and once I got into the book so it reformed one, my spiritual does one have a good cover on it? Did it, uh, it's the title that got title. me. It's the title. the title that got me. It's the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. And so that's what I could say. I read. Yeah, and you went on some mission trips, that kind of stuff. Where about yeah, you go? Yeah, so pretty much, uh, my father is the first person who took me on what I call an international mission trip. And so I live in the United States, but my father took me to Ghana. Oh, and okay. He took me to Ghana, West Africa, to do a mission trip over there. Yep. Pretty much, he had me preaching at a school, at a secondary school. Okay, so how old are you at this time? I was seventeen at this time. You're seventeen, and you are preaching wow. at seventeen. Yes, 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 yes. You know, I preached my first sermon when I was 17, and I can still remember it, and uh, it was all written out word for word, and I stood at the front, and I read it from one end to the other, and never looked up once, and as soon as I finished reading, I sat down. It was terrible. (laughs) No, that 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 was my first sermon, but that was like when I was four years old, though. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I bet your dad being a pastor wouldn't have let you get away with it. Yeah, no, no, not a chance. He's like, no, son, this is how it's done. He said, you got to do it like me. You got to look at the crowd. You got to say it strong, confident, and loud. Yeah. 
And so that's what pretty much happened. He took me there, and we had a great mission trip. About a hundred students got baptized, and so that was a yeah. very indelible. Yeah, this is from your preaching, or was he preaching? No, this was from my preaching. From your preaching, mm-hmm. praise God. And so what, what pretty much happened is that I was. Was your dad preaching at all? Was yes, he, just, he was also preaching at his side. You know, he's my dad, so he baptized like two hundred. So he had a little bit more. <laughs> okay, I'll let him go. Yeah. And so what pretty much happened after that whole experience is that I was on the plane flying back to New York. Uh-huh. And as I was flying back to New York, I arrived at my destination. And once I arrived at my destination, I just had a little prayer in my heart. And I'll never forget this prayer. I said to myself, I said, man, Kojo, you are really on fire for God right now. But I'm scared that as soon as I get back into re- my regular civilian life, mm-hmm. that fire is going to mm-hmm. burn out. Mm-hmm. And so I looked out the window and I just said a simple prayer. I just said, Lord, keep my fire burning for you yep. now and always mm-hmm. until this day. God has consistently answered that prayer. Praise God. Is that yep. a prayer you pray on you pray often? Literally, that's a prayer I pray often. Yeah. But that one time when I prayed that prayer, I knew yep. that God was just going to keep answering that prayer. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you've obviously gone on a journey into following your father's footsteps in mm-hmm. ministry. Right. And uh, where has that journey taken you? Well, right now, that journey has taken me. I decided to, well, actually, I did not want to become a pastor at all. Okay. I told myself I'm not going to make enough money as a pastor. (laughs) And uh, it's still probably true. Capitalist America. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, I said, you know, I won't get as much uh, respect from the society if I become a pastor. Yes. Uh, Because literally, certain parts of the United States, you can't even call yourself a pastor. People just look down on you. So you have to find different names. You have to call yourself a life coach or um, uh, a youth specialist or a motivational speaker. And so literally, I felt all those types well, of things. Well, there's some parts of the United States where you still get... Um, well, we call that the Bible Belt, right? Yeah, the yeah, Southern yeah. The Bible Belt. The yeah. other places mm-hmm. are like, yeah, I wonder where these one of these um, dodgy pastors that mm-hmm. you know, messes with children and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's, it has become a, received a very bad name. Exactly. Years, you get yeah. the point, right. Mm. And so pretty much, I did not want to become a pastor, did not want to become a pastor, even though I knew all my talents, all my gifts, all my passions, and even just the strong inclination. So you wanted, you wanted somewhere that, that, that had connection. a little bit more status than being a pastor and a little bit more pay than being a pastor. I don't think a little bit more. I think a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and so pretty much, I did not want to become a pastor until I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at 17. And it was pretty much a nice equation. I gave my heart to the Lord. And once I gave my heart to the Lord, I was willing to accept whatever call he had for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways, the biggest ways that I pretty much knew that this was what I had to do is like what I said, number one, my gifts and talents favored that area. Number two, I knew this was something I loved doing, even if I didn't get paid, but I still need to pay. And then number three, <laughs> um, I totally knew people were kept affirming that this is where I had to go. And number four, people who were, I would say, uh, I'll use this delicately, people who were not spiritual or people who are not Christian or people who are not practicing the faith just didn't understand the decision that I was making because yeah. it was a spiritual decision. That's right. And so it's a calling. Literally, people don't understand a calling. Exactly. People choose a career in life, exactly. but when you get a calling, it's very different from exactly. a, a career choice. Exactly. And people were highly disappointed that I chose to be a pastor. My, all my high school teachers were highly disappointed, but something <laughs> oh, in me said to myself, because you guys are that disappointed, I know I'm doing something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you're doing your master's at the moment. Yes. Um, between your master's and your, you know, when, obviously when you finished your BA in mm-hmm. theology and so forth, did you do, have you done some actual field ministry as well? Yes, I actually did. So um, I actually went to a, a great school, uh, what I consider to be the best school on planet Earth and uh, any other planet that has a university is Oakwood University. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and so I went to Oakwood University. I yeah. was there for four years. That's in a place called Alabama. Yeah. And after I finished up at Oakwood University, I worked in New York City. So is Isaac Alatunji still down there at Oakwood? Oh, man. You know Isaac Alatunji? He's still down there. So He's there still doing goes. his thing over there. Six, six degrees of separation. You know? <laughs> Everybody knows somebody. Everybody knows somebody. somebody. The circle is too small. I have to behave wherever I go. Yeah, that's it. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell Isaac on you. Yeah, like, yeah. Kojo over here. I've been keeping him in line. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And so what happened is that after I finished at Oakwood, great four years of my life, I went back to New York and I worked as a local youth pa- as a church as a youth pastor in a local church okay. for one year, literally. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. Okay. So you're doing yep. youth pastor. I did. Uh, did you have the opportunity during that year to lead people to Christ? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, at the end of the whole year, we had twelve youth that gave themselves to Jesus Christ. Praise yep. God. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Twelve young people that gave yeah. themselves to Christ. Yeah. Okay. So you've gone to um, you've gone to, to Andrews to do your masters. You're mm-hmm. now here in Australia mm-hmm. um, doing your internship. Is that a part of the? Is this like are you coming into the end of your masters course now, yeah. or oh. part way through? Or Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing seven years of school, four years of undergrad, oh, about two and a half years of masters. Goodness. I'm just celebrating that I'm almost done by December. Thank you, God. I will be out of that institution and I will start working. And so yes, I'm at the end of my program. Literally have two semesters remaining after this semester. So, so you haven't enjoyed Andrews as much as you enjoyed Oakwood then? I mean, there's no place like Oakwood. I mean, what, <laughs> what do you want me to say on radio? They are listening to this in Andrews, you know. Uh, yeah, they'll get over it. <laughs> uh, so, we do go out online for our, our online listeners and our overseas listeners. Of course, they can listen to us on oh, faithfm.com.au or on the TuneIn app at faithfm Australia. Yes. So yeah, people listen to us all over the world. Oh, so perfect, perfect. You're in deep trouble now. Oh, man. We have dumped you right in it. It's you know what? I just say let the chips fall where they may. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how long are you here? You've been here a month. How long are you here in total? Well, I'm here until May. Um, Okay. I, I literally leave here on my birthday, May 3rd. There you go. I well, just put that out there. Your birthday present. Yes. Um, you, you put it out there so that we can remember to, uh, you know. How did you know? <laughs> How did you know? Did you read my mind? <laughs> Send in a birthday present please for Please do. Please do. You know, you know how I look now. Well, I think I think that um, I think it'd be a great idea if they did because you're actually leaving that day and I'll come to here to Faith FM. It's like, well, Kojo's gone, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, we better put this to good use. Yes, please. Please do. Please, please do. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much um, like what I said. Uh, yeah, I'm here till May. Okay. And pretty much while I'm here, the idea is that I'm trying to learn three things while I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I heard How that... How to speak Australian? Uh, yeah, I, I, think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm not going to be able to accomplish that <laughs> in the time frame. Sure. But pretty much I'm learning three things. I'm learning pretty much uh, church growth, how to help grow churches. Number Fantastic. two, church leadership, how mm-hmm. to be a good leader in the church. Mm-hmm. And number three, uh, pretty much learning church planting, how to start new churches in new areas. And really one of the biggest things I'm learning is how to uh, minister effectively in what, we, what people may term as a quote-unquote secular environment. Mm-hmm. Um, um, finally, you know, and I'm just going to be really honest with this. I'm an African, I'm African American, mm-hmm. and uh, one thing really? that is, yeah, yeah, I know it's pretty hard to tell. You I can't see guessed. that, right? No, yeah, no, no. I wouldn't guess at all. And so, it's uh, one thing that I want to say is that it's really difficult. Um, it's really easy to stay in your own bubble. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to do in my life is stretch out of my bubble so that I become a well more rounded person. That's fantastic. Kojo, it's been amazing to have you on here on the show. I've enjoyed this. We wish you God's blessings in a very special way as we, as you continue with your journey. But at this particular time, we're going to listen to Fernando Ortega. Crown him with many crowns. Crown 
him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns on music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king. Through all eternity Crown Him the Lord of love Behold His hands and sigh Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified, no angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eye at mystery so to use your musical talents, or even if you want to learn from scratch, we'd love you to join us. 
Rehearsals are held at Trinity Gardens each Tuesday at 7.30pm. And for further inquiries, call John on 0427-032-901. That's 0427-032-901.